Well, we've looked at many things uh, about Joseph's life that make him so remarkable. Uh, you know, how he could flow in such wonderful gifts in the midst of uh, confinement. You know, how he could have a different spirit of confidence and grace uh, that caused Potiphar and the jailer to take notice him and of, of him and say, there's something about this. This young man, he has a different spirit, kind of like Caleb and Joshua had a different spirit. They entrusted him with great responsibilities. You know, he obtained a good report because he was able to look with eyes of faith and not with his natural eyes at the situation he was in. He believed that God was a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And there's many other things we've looked at. But another of those remarkable things I want to consider you know, I was just kind of thinking of how he was in a situation that should have brought heaviness, sadness, and perhaps even bitterness. And it's not that he didn't experience the, uh, you know, have those types of, of experiences, but yet that did not affect his spirit. Instead, in the midst of that, he had life. Have you ever thought about that? Like, kind of put yourself in his shoes, like, how would I feel? And then how would that make me respond? I, I don't know if I, I don't have a lot of confidence in my own self for how I would do in that. Uh, it, it would only be the grace of God. But yet he was always able to triumph. It was as if there was no uh, trouble or captivity or pressure that could stop him from receiving life from God and strength, you know, and, and I, I think about that, like, what would my outlook be, you know, after the first year, second year, third year, you know, hope starts to wane that, you know, you're going to get out or that, you know, people back home are remembering you or they think, you know, what's happened to them and so forth. There was no obvious outcome of freedom on the horizon but it's as if he had plugged into a source of life that allowed him to not, you know, that sustained him and allowed him to overcome perhaps even abundant life in the midst of his trial. And that provokes me, you know, when, cause sometimes, you know, my Sarah knows when I get sick or, you know, I'm weak or I'm overwhelmed or something that can kind of cause me to lose momentum, you know, that, you know, I just want to go hibernate and sleep and, uh, you know, take my mind off how I'm feeling and so forth. And, you know, that's okay when you're not feeling well. But if you, if you keep doing that after a while, it affects you. It affects your spirit, your uh, spiritual life. But somehow Joseph was able to receive life from God through times of great difficulty. And that's the concept I really want to look at. He received life through times of great difficulty. He learned to abide in Christ as the true vine. You know, you know, Christ revealed that in the New Testament. I was just kind of considering that. In the Old Testament, that name had not been revealed. You know, got the names of God in the Old Testament, especially up to Joseph's time, for what they called God and they how they called upon the name of the Lord were very limited. I was just thinking of, there's kind of four main ones. There are a few other ones, but, you know, Elohim, Elohim, 
is the first name uh, that uh, was given to us at creation. It's Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Um, that basically means God. You know, he's the maker of all things. There's Yahweh, there's Lord, uh, who is Lord, Adonai, Master, El Elyon, the Most High. But you kind of get this picture. God revealed himself in the Old Testament as the, the, the one who was high and lofty. Um, but somehow Joseph was able to meet with him as the vine and be grafted in and receive life from him. Now, if Joseph could do that in what he was going through, we have no excuse because Christ has revealed himself. He's proclaimed himself as the true vine that we can be grafted in and receive life from him in abundance. And even in our greatest difficulty, it can't hold a candle to what Joseph went through. Well, there might be times coming, but we leave that to God. <laughs> but even in that, Joseph is a picture that even in the darkest, most difficult, challenging times, we can receive life from him. Because he came to give it. He came to give abundant life. Now, of course, we can refer to, to that verse or those verses in John 15, where Jesus proclaimed himself, I am the true vine. He's not just the vine. He is the true vine, kind of implying he is the vine, the only vine the only source of life. There's many vines out there that proclaim to give life. Reality, they steal it from us. So you plug into the wrong vine, you're in trouble. Every branch in me, of course, here's, here's the proof of, of life flowing through us. If we're not given the life, then we lack this. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit is taken away. But every branch that get, receives life and then cause, allows the fruit to be born, he comes and clips it, purges it, prunes it, so that it can bring forth more fruit. And so Christ is the vine that gives life. Of course, the Father, you know, we, we looked at this in a previous uh, message, but the Father is the husbandman. He's the one that directs us to the vine it's upon the heart of the Father that we receive life. His heart is towards us. You know, we're, we are the branches grafted in, receiving new life as we follow Christ. And you know, we looked at how Joseph was a fruitful bough, and uh, we kind of looked at that concept of fruitfulness and pruning in that one. Uh, so I won't get too much into it about how he prunes those he loves, right? Or you could say he corrects those he loves. He, he prunes, he cuts away, and times he removes. You know, Joseph was brought low so that he could receive life. Nothing else would take that. And so there's times that God will remove certain things or cut away those things that try and steal our life. And I always remember the story Pastor Bailey shared of the time he was a pastor in Washington State and in his church was a someone who owned a, an apple orchard and they were walking through the apple orchard and just talking. And every once in a while, the, the owner would just reach off and snap off a branch. After a while, Pastor Bay is like, why do you keep breaking branches off the tree? And, and, and the orchardist said, well, I know those branches aren't bearing fruit. And what they're going to do is they're going to steal the life and the sap 
from the branches that are bearing those good apples. And that stuck with him so that he preached on it many times. I think it's in his books too, because God wants to, to concentrate his life in us. And sometimes he's got to remove those things that would steal the life. And so he brings in his little pruning shears at times. But as we allow him to do that, new life and new fruit blossoms. But you know, abiding, when you, when you actually look what's the beginning of the process, abiding really starts with an opportunity or an invitation. We are invited to abide in Christ. It's not automatic. We're, it's an invitation. We see a picture of that in Song of Solomon, you know, which is an allegory between the bride and the bridegroom of Christ. So we, that's an allegory with us and the relationship that God wants to have, that Jesus wants to have with us. And so in Song of Solomon, you know, there's a call to the Shulamite, to the bride. And in Song of Solomon 2 and verse 10, She's speaking here and, and she's saying, My beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. Come away with me. Abide in me. Spend time with me. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over, the flowers appear in the earth. The time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with tender grapes give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And so there's a call of God. You know, we go through different seasons. And so the, you know, some seasons are harder than others. And God, and you know, when, a, when one season passed, there's a new call. Come away. I want to meet with you. I want to share things with you. And we can go through those seasons of the Christian life where sometimes there's activity, sometimes there's dormancy. Doesn't look like much is happening. And then the spring comes and new things start to take place. God does new, a new work. And it's, it's as if the Lord speaks to us and, and he says, rise up, my fair one, come into something new. It's a new season. There's new life. And he wants to do something new in us, in our hearts, in our spirits, in our relationship with him. And it says, as it says in Ecclesiastes, right, that familiar verse, to everything there is a season, Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time and a purpose under heaven. I think, I'm thankful for that. I, if it was only one season, well, we kind of experienced that in Florida a little bit. We kind of have two seasons, hot and not as hot, cool, coolish, right? Yeah, rainy. But I'm glad there's a change of seasons. Uh, it's kind of funny how at, by the end of summer, I, I, there always comes a day when I was like, I'm ready for the heat to be over. I'm ready for some cool weather. But it's equally funny that by the end of winter, I'm always like, man, I'm kind of ready for some warm weather. I'm, I'm tired of being chilly because it can be a wet cold down here. And you're like, I, I want it to be warm again. Of course, I like the shoulder seasons where, where it's nice and, you know, in the 70s. But we have to have a change of season. But in that... There are spiritual seasons God takes us through where he calls us into new things and he wants to do new things. It's an invitation. And our part is to say yes. 
is to respond and to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit as he calls us to go into something new. In fact, there's another part in, in chapter 5 of Song of Solomon where you know the bridegroom comes knocking on the door and she's all nice and cozy. Uh, right? It, modern vernacular, she's got her, her pajamas on and she's in bed and she, she doesn't want to come out. She doesn't really feel like getting up and going out. Sometimes it's a challenging, it's a challenge to respond to God's call and to take each opportunity because sometimes it's a new thing and we got we to gotta work at it to change. We are, we are creatures that do not like to change. New things challenge us. But the problem is, or the, the issue is, that's where the new life is found. God works in us and he plants new seeds in us as we respond to him to go in the new way. He wants to put his, the seeds of the fruit of his spirit within us and cause them to grow his love and joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and all of those good things. But as we've considered with Joseph, right, we, we know clearly that he went through some, some challenges, some troubles. And there's that thought of how the Lord often develops his fruit, his fruit, his spiritual fruit in our lives through contrary forces, sometimes even through great difficulty. You know, sometimes to, to really know love, you have to know the lack of it or experience the lack of it, or sometimes you even experience hatred to know how powerful love is. And that's true in many of the other fruits of the Spirit. And sometimes, you know, those new seasons contain adversity. Some are mild, some are more intense. You know, up, up north, the winter season can be pretty tough, right? Icy roads, uh, bitter cold, and so forth. And that's why we get a lot of snowbirds down in Florida. Uh, but, you know, those seasons, they serve a purpose, Right? Different seasons bring us into new things. They move us on, propel us. Another verse in Song of Solomon 4 and verse 16, it talks about the wind. There's, there's the cool wind, and there's the not-so-cool wind. There's the, the bitter wind, which is the north wind. Awake, O north wind, and come and blow. The, and the south wind is the, is the nice wind. Right, the, the south wind blow upon my garden that the spices may flow out. So you need both. You need the, the, the gentle wind. You need the, the harsh wind because they both serve a purpose so that the spices may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. And so the call is to come and partake of him so that that can be reproduced in us. But at times, the Lord will command different winds to blow upon us. Sometimes they're cool and pleasant. Other times, they're challenging to endure. Sometimes it even brings a breaking. Right? We've experienced harsh winds in Florida where we're like, oh, I hope my house stands up, <laughs> depending on how, what category the wind is blowing. But, you know, it causes things that don't matter in our lives to be shaken and to be removed, to be broken, 
And in reality, there has to be a breaking in us before there can be a breaking forth into his new things. Kind of like the alabaster box that contained that precious ointment. It had the only way was for it to be broken. And then it produced a beautiful fragrance, his spices flowing out. So sometimes we need to be shaken out of our comfort zone so that we can grow. You know, Joseph faced that almost constant adversity as he was in Potiphar's house and then the next level, 2.0, in the, in the jail. But it propelled him and made him ready to be ruler in Egypt. He learned to use adversity as a blessing in his life to come into the place God had for him. And, you know, I read a, a biography about a famous missionary, William Carey, who was a missionary to India. And I, I was kind of struck by something that was brought out in the biography. There's a, a body of water called the Bay of Bengal in India. And what's, what's interesting about it is that it can have winds that blow directly into that bay so that ships trying to go out are, are going into a, into a headwind. And so, that, of course, that was back in the day of sailing ships, right? You had sails and you didn't have diesel engines to just go into the wind. And so you, it's interesting because you think a sailboat, how can it possibly travel when you have a sail there and the, and the wind blowing at the sail? Well, sailors kind of figured something out that you can actually sail into the wind, but it's through a method called tacking. And so if the wind's blown from the north, then you, you go northwest. And even though you get pushed to the west a little bit, you still could go forward and then you tack to the northeast and, you know, you get pushed to the east, but you still go forward and they would tack back and forth and they were able to make it out of that bay and to travel on. And that kind of stuck with me. That's a good illustration. You know, at times we might feel the adverse winds and we think, how can I possibly move forward in this? How can I possibly uh, go in this way? Well, God can use all circumstances for good. Amen? We have to believe that, right? That's a, that's a requirement that you know, Romans 8.28, God can turn all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so God uses all of the winds that are blowing to propel us into His way, but we must respond. If there's no wind, that, that's actually a problem because then, you know, if it's nice and easy and there's no wind, you know, that's, that's called a ship being becalmed. You can't go anywhere. You're just stuck with the current. And, you know, you don't want to just be taken with the current because the current doesn't go in the way, always go in the way you want to go. And so we want to follow the winds, at least from God, not, not the winds of doctrine, but the winds of God that he brings because he uses the north and the south winds to develop his life within us. Sometimes they're not easy but we already pointed out that God wants to produce new life for us in new seasons. You know, for the early church, the, God brought a new portion of, of the Spirit of God, you know, in the form of the Pentecostal outpouring. 
And, you know, comments were made at that time that it was like an infilling of new wine. The, and we refer to it as the wine of the Spirit. The Spirit being poured out upon us. And, you know, that's what we pray for in revival. Lord, we want the wine of your Spirit to be poured out. Right? And it's manifested in, in certain ways in the spiritual realm. But yet, it also speaks of, of a work God does in our life. And how is wine formed? Well, Jesus told us exactly. He uses wineskins. And he said this in Luke 5, 37. He said, no one puts the new wine into old bottles. You can't form the new wine of the Spirit in old bottles because they're old and not flexible and they'll just crack and burst and... Or that's what he says, actually. The new, else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be sp spilled and the wineskins ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved because the new wineskins are flexible. See, the thing about the new wine and the new things God wants to do is sometimes there's pressure and there's challenges associated with that. And we can feel greatly stretched ready to burst. And at this point, you know, it's almost we feel we feel like we're seeing our potential demise. You know, am I going to make it? I'm stretched to the max. How can I take any more? Well, the Lord knows exactly the millimeter that we can take. But, you know, that's often when we face that question. Am I going to apprehend the grace of God to endure and overcome? Now, Sarah said something to me recently about uh, the grace of God. Of course, she's been developing the curriculum here. Uh, and it's almost like she said, it's almost like take, study, studying and taking another degree, a right, university degree. It's just a lot, you know, studying the Zion textbooks. And so she, she'll tell me all these gems of, you know, things that, that she studied that day. And, but she said something about the grace of God that really stuck out. And you know, it's the, the idea that grace does not always mean that the situation becomes easier. Sometimes we have that thought, right? If you, if you get grace, that means, oh, all of a sudden the situation turns and now everything's great. And so grace does not always change the situation and it doesn't always make us feel better. But what it does is makes it possible for us to do what God is asking of us. I thought that was quite profound because grace does not mean that we are guaranteed a, a restful, easy time once we've apprehended it. Because right? sometimes we can think that, well, the grace of God just changes everything. Well, it changes a lot of things, but not always how we feel. In fact, to apprehend grace, it can mean we have to come to the end of ourselves. And that's not pleasant, right? The end of our abilities, the end of our strength, the end of our capacity. And it's at that point we have to believe for supernatural ability, supernatural strength, supernatural capacity that God will give us the ability to endure. And it's something that we can't find in us. It's only found in God. And so the question with the grace of God is, will we endure the stretching and the great pressure to apprehend his grace, to receive the new wine, the new things he wants to do? And, and if so, that's how we greatly increase. 
And we can tie that into Isaiah and his encouraging prophecy to those who are barren, right? He tells the barren to sing. And he says, Isaiah 54, 2, he says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Don't spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. And you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. We read that and say, Amen, Lord, do it. Till we remember what it feels like to be stretched and, and extended and lengthened. But that's what it means to be a new wineskin. You know, Joseph was greatly increased. His abilities were profoundly increased to be a ruler over a whole nation and nations who came and inquired of him to, for food. And he sustained nations, but he had to be stretched. He had to be enlarged. His tent was stretched. His cords were lengthened. And you know, God wants to give us new and wonderful things. He wants to do new things in our lives, but we also have to be willing and open for God to come and do a little stretching, expansion. But in doing so, he is making us into new wineskins to contain the new things he wants to do in us and his people. I'm just going to close with one more uh, little thought concerning Joseph. It may seem disconnected, but there's a verse that I think connects it and brings it out. And, and I think we've considered this verse previously in this series. But, but Joseph and, or Jacob, in, in Genesis 49, 26, Jacob is, is speaking prophetically of, of Joseph and the tribe of Joseph. And he says this, Genesis 49, 26, he says, The blessings of your father, speaking of Joseph, have excelled the blessings of mine ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, and they shall be upon the head of Joseph and the crown of the head of him who was separated from his brothers. And there's this thought that's tied to increase and blessing of separation. Now, sometimes we have to live a very separated and different life in order to be fruitful. You know, to be fruitful in, in the sense of our calling and the kingdom of God and what God's plan is for us. And sometimes, even in a multitude, you can feel alone because of what God is taking you through and what he's doing in your life. You know, maybe the circumstances you're facing or you're going through things that others aren't, have not faced and they don't understand. And yet through the story of Joseph, we can realize that God is totally in control of our circumstances. There is no random chance. There is nothing happenstance, you could say, in, our, in what happens to us in our circumstances. It is controlled by God. Now, of course, our, our choices and our decisions play a big part in what happens to us. But yet, as we're walking with God and some mishap or thing, thing takes place, we can know God is in control. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And, you know, we're all unique. We have a unique walk, each of us. And we have different things to contribute to the body of Christ. And if we respond to him and we apprehend the grace of God to go beyond our ability and to do his will, we can have great fruit in our lives, but also in the lives of those who are around us that we are impacting and you might say, well, how is little old me impacting anyone? Well, the Bible says our life is seen. We're 
word described as an epistle that's read by all men, by everyone who around us sees our life and they see what God is doing and we're allowing him to work within us and the new things and the new life that's coming forth. We notice each other and what God is doing. And, and we, we're able to read between the lines a little bit, right? Because we, can, we have that spiritual sense But what do we want them to read? That's the question. What do we want people to read in our lives, in our epistle? Hopefully, it's a story of one who has obtained grace from God to overcome, to triumph. And as we do, those we've influenced, those we've encouraged, they're going to go out and they're going to do the same thing. They're going to encourage other people. And because of what we did, our branch goes out. And it stretches forth to touch people we didn't even know about because we encouraged other people through our lives, through our testimony. Because we responded, we apprehended grace to obey and endure and triumph. We can become like Joseph, who was doubly fruitful. Fruitful in the here and now, but fruitful in times to come because of our testimony. And so Joseph had life in the midst of his difficulties, his imprisonments, because he had learned to abide in the true vine. And for us, let's, let's learn to recognize that whatever season we're in, God uses all things for good. Even the contrary winds, even that cold north wind especially those winds that seem like they're the opposite of what we, what we need. We, we are always expecting a wind that's going to propel us into you know, what God has for us, but yet we're facing the opposite, but yet God wants to meet with us and give us a grace to apprehend from him, to use those winds to overcome. They might be challenging. They might be stretching. Well, I, can, I think we can say that we're all going to have the opportunity to be stretched in one way or another. But God has ordained those circumstances to propel us into something new. New seasons, new destinations, new fruit. As we abide in him and apprehend his grace, he'll lead us on into seasons of greater and greater fruitfulness and increase in the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you for your plan and your purpose for us. Lord, we just declare that you are good. Lord, and we believe that you can turn all things for good. Lord, even those things in our lives that, Lord, are contrary, Lord, to, to our abilities. But Lord, we look to you. We believe, oh God, for grace. And Lord, we cry out for fresh grace. Lord, give us those eyes like Joseph had to see Lord, with faith that you are bringing, uh, Lord, situations into our lives to, to do a work, to propel us into new and wonderful things, to bring, bring forth new life, new fruit. Oh God, may we apprehend your grace and believe for it and walk in it, Lord, that we can enter into the new things that you have for us. Oh God, lead us on to increase and to fruitfulness, Lord, that our lives would be a wonderful testimony written that other people could see, Lord, that we would be those who apprehended your grace 
and triumphed through your precious name. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.